Hey gang! Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is funded by Patreon. Join for early access to special bonus episodes and exclusive material, including the upcoming Scooby-Doo Book Club. Joining is the best way that you can be a part of shaping the material we produce, and we are super thankful to everyone who contributes. Thank you to David Green, Kyle Michaud, Katie Maxwell, Jordan Ferguson, Pablo Corden, Matthew Bang, Blake Sawyer, Ashley Martinez, Dan Reed, Gabriel Pesek, Toj, Jade Core, Wynn Richport, Samuel Chesser, Bradford N. Smith, Page on Gaming, and Alicia Harper for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those to Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we're watching Giant Problems. I know from the premise of this episode that it is expected that I am going to do a certain way of talking here. That it is just sort of expected that some accents are going to come out of me. So should I just go ahead and get them out of my system? I've never heard you attempt an Irish accent, so... Well, you still won't, Amelia! (laughs) I meant that I would do a giant voice! Fee-fi-fo-fum! I don't know what I expected. I podcast with an Englishman! And he's here now, our guest, Lord Grumbleberry. Hello. Oh, good. We're just going to descend into an A-Izzard bit. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why I brought in a third character. Absolutely unnecessary. Oh, giant problems. Giant problems. Mm -hmm. Every day of my life with you. And also, the title of this episode. Yes. Serendipitous. Now, I have a question before we go into anything. Is this a giant... Or is it a cyclops? It's a giant cyclops. Okay. So giant for you would supersede cyclops. Cyclopses are always big. Yeah. But this one is larger. Okay. I don't know why they made it a cyclops. Yeah. It's it's unneeded. It, it, uh... It's not, like, this far... it It doesn't feel right. We're not in the Mediterranean, we're in Ireland. Yeah, it made it messy. Like, I was halfway on the phone to Andy to see if he could cover a Greek myth. But he couldn't, because this is an also, Irish giant. I wouldn't let him in. You wouldn't? No. Because of the social distancing rules. Can't even get on a screen nowadays. I just don't see why I should care about him talking about a Greek myth he knows nothing about. He really doesn't when know anything about him. for the last ten him. months, he has not cared whether or not I've been alive or dead working frontline during the pandemic, so... You see where I'm coming from. I I do see where you're coming from. (laughs) These are some heavy issues to dump on the listeners who are just here for a good time. Half of them already know. (laughs) They're in my Twitter DMs checking in (laughs) on me more than my fucking brother-in-law is. Well, here we are in Ireland. Let's, Let's break the tension with that, shall we? Here we are in Ireland. At first glance, 
a boy is being bullied by a grown man. Yeah, there's a man in the woods who destroys a toy car out of just pure spite that a child is having fun. Yes. Like, literally, a fully grown man, I guess he takes such pride in his own truck that seeing a child with a, a remote control car, he, he feels the need to stomp on it. I want you to look at my notes, Amelia. I literally wrote, what a cunt. He's fucking bullying a child. And I know that there are going to be some outliers, but in places like Ireland and and England, and France, and, you know, just European nations don't do huge monster trucks no. like America does. There's no way this Irish guy would be driving that SUV Hummer. I mean, let's let's not write off all of Ireland. I think it is very possible to both be Irish and a practicing member of toxic masculinity. But it, you're right, it's I'm not as common. they're not going to do it with a Hummer. That is an American yeah, thing. Well, he gets his come up and stunning because that giant comes and he smushes on his real truck. So, ha ha, I'm on the giant side. <laughs> but that's just our opener. How about our premise? How about it? Daphne travels with the gang to an ancient Blake family castle in Ireland, which is being further damaged by an angry rampaging giant. This brings out the knight in Fred and the Irish in Daphne. Yeah, so the Daphne Dilemma, her stupid random garbage, she's in Ireland, in a castle her family has ancestral ties to, so of course, we get an Irish accent. <sighs> Ireland and Scotland! I said I didn't want this when we opened the episode. You knew it! You knew it was I coming! I said I didn't want this! But, but, I mean, Ireland and Scotland are so interchangeable in animation, it seems. <laughs> because, in the old continuity... Daphne was Scottish. Well, here she's one sixteenth Irish. Right, it's so hard. It hardly counts. Still have Scottish in her. Also, of course, they're interchangeable. Green rolling hills, red hair, hate the British. There you go. You're covered. Fair enough. <laughs> Do you remember in one of the first series when they were going somewhere in England and they saw a ghost? A clearly Scottish ghost, because he mm -hmm. had a kilt and bagpipes. I think I and do remember this. Did Shaggy say g g, -g ghost <laughs> No, Daphne said, that's the scariest thing I've ever seen! So that's why I proposed that she was of English descent. Because right. she sees a Scot and doesn't even have to realize it's a ghost before she's like, get it away! Well, you, you <laughs> see it here as, uh, as her being Irish, so may maybe that's an old feud. She's just every mix of white that you can imagine. Yes, though that's obvious. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, so this is a, a castle that her family actually forgot it owned. Apparently this happens more often than you'd think. Her family owns a lot. Only a week ago, they realized that her mother owned the copyright to the phrase, Stop staring at my nostrils! Which I propose we start taking on as a catchphrase for this podcast. Hey, listener, stop staring at my nostrils. That's how we can end the show from now on. Yeah, makes tons of sense. Didn't, like, hasn't it been made not feasible to catchphrase, some, like, to trademark something that people just, like, say? I when think Donald Trump so, yeah. tried to do, you're fired, and, like, you don't owe him a dollar if you say the phrase, you're fired. 
I, I think that is correct. But I think when you're talking about something like you're fired, that's in much more common usage. I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, you, Nike can copyright just do it. And I feel like just do it is way more common than stop staring at my nostrils. That's true. It's, it's a weird gray area that I know nothing about, but I feel like because Nike branded just do it as a written phrase. Mm-hmm. And you're okay. And, and it's sort of in conjunction with the logo and everything. I, yeah, I, I don't think they sued Happy Gilmore for Ant, for instance. No, that was you can do it. Maybe Happy Gilmore needed to change their script. I don't know. I haven't watched that movie since I was eight. Look, I'm saying stop staring at my nostrils. And, and like, this litigious bitch that is Daphne's mother is going to take you to court if she hears you say this out loud. Clearly, yeah. you're already in a bad mental state. Someone is staring at your nostrils, like, so fiercely. You're self-conscious. You got to shout at them to get them to fuck off. And now you have to go to court because some rich bitch owns a, a random yeah. string of words. Now, I'm trying to think of it in, like, a more positive context. Like, maybe... Maybe that is, she has, like, a nose reconstruction practice. Maybe she's in the plastic surgery world. Oh, because that's, that's going to make me like her so much more. Well, she's, her job isn't to make you like her. Her job is to sell <laughs> plastic surgery and stop staring at... Stop! Like, hey, not, not as if you're telling someone, but have them stop staring at my nostrils. You will no longer want to stare at them, because now they are new. Now you want to stare at them more. I do want them to... Yeah, because I spent all that money. Daphne's whole thing in this episode is that she goes full Irish. Uh, what is it that Velma calls her? A hypernophile? Uh, something. I didn't catch... Ex- like, I don't know the language well enough, but it's like where you are, you know, obsessed with Irish culture. An anglophile for English culture would be whatever this is for Irish. And yeah, so so Grey is rockin' that Irish accent. Is she? Well, rockin' as in doing. I don't know if rocking is in pulling off successfully. The, I will say, this episode sort of has a little bit of a different flavor to me, specifically because of how Fred handles Daphne's nonsense, and because Fred goes into his own nonsense at the same time. This is really... The first episode of Be Cool Scooby-Doo, where I felt like Daphne and Fred were more or less on the same page. These were two nutters in love. Maybe not in love, but at least standing next to each other. <laughs> two nutters standing next to each other? What else can you ask for in this economy? I'm just, a, I'm just a boy standing in front of a girl, asking that you respect my knighthood while you continue using your Irish accent. Daphne has a fear that is uh, revealed in this episode. She is scared of sleeping bears, which is ridiculous. That would be the best time to hug them. Well, yeah, and I'm, I was trying to think of maybe she has some sort of Goldilocks type history, but Goldilocks was the one sleeping there, not the bears. If the bears are sleeping, that's the safest time. If I'm not supposed to hug bears, why are their ears perfectly round? They're very round. That you are, you are supposed to, you are the destined one. You are the only one who is meant to hug bears. Good. So the fact that you've been kept away from bears all this time is, is a cruel injustice. How do you feel about Daphne's sort of uh, end note on this episode? Where she says, we got so caught up in the magic, we forgot that magic isn't real. I mean, 
A, that's funny. It's a pretty shitty sentiment for a kid show. It really is. But it is funny that they're like, oh, right. We It's just someone in a mask. We forgot that for a while. It gives a reason to it. It gives it shape. And what, what about the Fred factor? Our other nutter. Fred comes to Ireland and he believes it to be a land of heroes, myths, monsters, and plagues. Maybe you don't get so excited about the plagues, Fred. One's coming up! I don't want to bash the Irish or anything. I've never heard of an Irish hero. Like, when I've, I've like... Dylan Moran. You think, uh, who the fuck is that? He stars in black books. <laughs> you know, like, Scotland, Braveheart comes immediately to mind. Yeah. And, like, England, you can name a string of kings, but, like, I've never learned anywhere any folkloric heroes of Ireland. Right. Musical heroes, certainly. The Cranberries rock. But they never fought a dragon. That we know of. No one's ever fought in a dragon, Billy. <laughs> M- mythic, <laughs> mythic hero. Yeah, okay, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, well, dragon was what first came to mind. But, like, in a battle, I suppose. Do you think that's, like, was, oh, how, what's the history of invasions in Ireland? Was their, cult, was their mythic culture destroyed? Or have you and I just not researched it at all? Uh, I think it's fair to say I've never researched it on my own, but I'm, I was also never taught anything of it. Ireland is just one of those countries that gets left out of history class. And I guess unless you're in Ireland. S- Saint, it's Gaelic culture. St. Patrick? W- would that be a mythic hero? <sighs> Myth, I guess. Sure. He drove all the snakes out of Ireland. That's probably easily disproven by searching to see if there's snakes in Ireland. <laughs> there's probably still some there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fred, Fred believes this to be the land of medieval times. And over the course of the episode, he slowly increases his armaments to the point where he is a full knight in shining armor. He almost chops off Shaggy and Scooby's heads. Playing make-believe with a large broadsword. Mm-hmm. And then he brains himself with the hilt. So it only makes sense that he get a fucking helmet on He's as quickly <laughs> that's as probably, Yeah, he was very clumsy with that sword. I want to give it... How much does a claymore weigh? More than me. It would be a very heavy sword to just start swinging around. Does he it. do it one-handed, too? Because that's impressive. I can't remember now. That's bad technique. I do appreciate the crest on his shield, including the mystery machine. Remember that movie when the mystery machine gets blown up and he has PTSD throughout uh, the rest yeah, of it? Yeah, absolutely. He needs to keep that girl on his shield at all times. It's very sad. <laughs> it's very sad when he loses the man. He also, it must be said, he keeps his ascot. No matter what, he keeps it on over the armor. And I like that. That sort of brings to mind the sort of knightly, like, oh, my my woman's favor I shall keep here. I mean, it would make sense. You get sweaty, put wipe your eyes off with that ascot. Daphne says something about knights not wearing ascots, but I bet you they had something tucked yeah. into their neck. I would love to see one day an origin of Fred's ascot. What is the real meaning behind that ascot? It just looks damn good. Obviously. I mean, that's why it's, it's all existed so far. It but doesn't if, have to be deep, if really. It I could were, be a shallow if I got origin. A chan- it could be. But if I got a chance to write for Fred, that's what I would explore. They find the giant's hoard at one point, and it has his big old easy chair and footstool. And Fred says, 
That's the second biggest Ottoman I have ever seen. Is the first the Empire? Has Fred seen the Ottoman Empire? Because it hasn't really existed for his lifetime. He's seen it in films. Why does he try intimidation against the giant instead of just stabbing it in the eye? I don't know, because he seems to think that you can take down giants very easily. And he cites a lot of precedent. He cites David and Goliath. He cites Jack and the Beanstalk. And I get it. Those stories were little guy against big guy and little guy wins. It's really more of a metaphor. Yeah, absolutely, Fred. (laughs) And they didn't get up there to his eye and just expect the giant to back off. They had the follow through to to keep thrusting. Like, you're face to face with this giant that has one eye. If you blind him, you have effectively beaten him. It is defenseless now. See, and that's why I really I really feel the need to clarify between a giant and a cyclops, because a cyclops has a totally different weakness than a giant. You stab a giant in an eye, he's going to put his hand up on the one eye, still see you with the other, and crush you with his other hand. Cyclopses, so just... cyclopses are always big. Yeah, I, ju- I just wish they would I'm have just... called it a cyclops, or drawn a second eye. I agree, this is, a, this is an appropriate, this is a cyclops, it's an appropriate cyclops. It's just that that's what it is. And Fred fights it with a giant mech. Yeah, this go-bot shit. (laughs) Where does he store all the extra metal? I don't know, because... That comes popping out of the mystery machine. Like, please stop with this shit. Be cool. I am begging you. It's done. The joke is done. I, I like the idea of a mystery machine mech. But, uh, and going up against a giant? Cool, that makes sense. You didn't build this up at all. This is Chekhov introducing a gun in Act 1, and then rolling up in a tank in Act 3. Cool design! Love it! I, I am all on board with this mystery machine mech. I just need it to have more context. Even, even just give me a, a scene of Fred at the Scrap Metal Yard. That would have covered it for me. Oh, he's too busy shopping at Cops Co. <laughs> that was literally the name of the store, wasn't it? Yeah. Fuck. The Velma Vision, her one thing is that... The one thing that she gets to do this episode is that she can speak uh, Gaelic, uh, but she cannot speak English with an Irish accent. The, the, the Irish brogue, it just throws her, so she really can't tell what anybody is saying. I watch enough UK TV that I can pretty much get through any style of English accent and know what people are saying. I prefer the Irish over Scottish, I think, personally. Oh, it's much more lyrical. It's like, oh, hello there, I'm Irish. Where the Scottish are like, and my axe! That was just Gimli, honey. Yeah, he's Scottish. You can't just do Gimli for every Scottish accent. That still only counts as one! I like Gimli. Uh, yeah, uh, how... I like this, because it is the difference between Velma academically knowing information and being able to use it in the real world. That is a very fun distinction for the bookworm character. She literally can't understand anybody this entire episode. No one even has a thick accent. These are (laughs) fake Irish accents. I'm sure if you got, like, an actual Northern Ireland person in here to record... Like, everyone would have a little trouble with some of the slang, some of the pronunciation, but... Grey! 
doesn't do a great Irish accent. <laughs> and if she does do a good Irish accent, she didn't do it here. She did a play Irish accent. It's it's an animated Irish accent. It's a parody of an Irish accent. And yet Velma still would she needs Scooby to translate for her. I like I like it though. I like that this is something that Velma can't do because it's it's a more practical thing. Also seen I real like I don't know. I liked Velma in this episode. The scene where she is driving the mystery machine and Shaggy and Scooby are with her. That was like three seconds of the episode that I absolutely dug. Shaggy's got his feet up on the dashboard. These three are just vibing together. They mixed up the character dynamics in this episode, and I think they really work. I I love, you know, Daphne and Fred are off doing nonsense. Shaggy, Scooby, and Velma are just chilling out. The Shaggy, Scooby shenanigans. They're not just chilling out. They don't like Irish food, and I am forced to endure constant green eggs and ham. Yes. As it's... they avoid eating, what was it? I, I didn't even pick it up, but like, it was some like form. pinky and perky or some shit? I think like... fallow was part of it. I think just, you know, quote unquote, gross Irish food. And this actually, it's starting to bother me a little bit. That Shaggy and Scooby are these food aficionados, but as soon as you go to sort of, like, any non-standard foreign food, they always turn their nose up at it. This isn't just a be cool thing. This is Scooby-Doo throughout the ages. Anytime they see something like haggis, anytime... Yeah, they won't eat haggis. Yeah, I feel like even forms of, like, certain sushis, they've turned their nose up at seeing, like, tentacles or whatnot on their plate. They're actually picky eaters. Yeah, they're just gluttonous pigs. Yeah, they like their pizza and hamburgers and hot dogs. And they like it in weird combinations, but they don't expand their palate. I want to see them take on an Anthony Bourdain role of, like, like going for anything. Appreciating food of the globe. And instead, no, for some reason, we go green eggs and ham this episode. Uh, they're riffing with a chef who keeps trying to get them to try the food, and they're saying, No, 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 sir. I will not eat it with a fox. I will not eat it in a box. Just have one bite, say, No, thank you, that's not for me, and move on. They're being incredibly rude. They are. That, that's, that's sort of my offense that I'm taking it. They're always turning their nose up at foreign food. Yeah, they, they at the end of the episode, succumb to the chef. They're like, fine. We're too hungry to argue with you. Give us whatever the fuck it is you've cooked. And they eat it, and you think the joke is going to be like, they'll love it. And, like, because that's the green eggs and ham. But then, yeah. instead, they just start puking off screen. The episode ends on a vomit joke. Earlier, though, high point of the episode for me with Shaggy and Scooby, uh, besides the van thing, even, is when Shaggy and Scooby are able to lift that giant fingerprint. <laughs> Now we've got him. <laughs> <laughs> we've identified him. I love it. If his fingerprint isn't already in the database, though, you've got nothing. Yeah, no. Well, this is their start. Their start of the giant database. I really liked it. It was the right kind of absurdism to me. I also really enjoyed the joke where they were talking about Daphne being Irish, and Scooby said he is a great Dane. Appreciating his Danish heritage. Yes, a joke we saw in... 
the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo when a Danish prince needed to kiss Daphne to wake up. Yes! Oh, that was funny. That was funny, too. Who are our minor mentions? Young Angus, who is 150 (laughs) years old. He is an older Irish man who takes all of their luggage and Shaggy and Scooby happily on his back. He's a tank? Yeah. Who would doubt that an old Irish man wouldn't be? Yeah, 100%. This is like, older men like this, they can fucking do. Do you remember when we moved in here and my papa raced us up the stairs and started just grabbing furniture and taking it? No, I don't remember he, that. I missed the race up the stairs bit. In in my other building. Okay. He, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You weren't there. But yeah, he was. He fuck, We were waiting for the elevator. He went and booked it and like had my dresser on his back by the time <laughs> that we were up there. Love that guy. Broke his arm climbing a tree. When? Like five years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, love young Angus. Uh, we find him sweeping up after the giant totals the castle. He starts with the with the broom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's an attitude there. Like, this castle has been destroyed in parts before and has always been rebuilt. And you just fucking believe that young Angus is going to rebuild it brick by brick himself. Hearty. May he live a hundred more years. There's also Colin McQuaig. McQuaig, McQuaid, or McQueen, because I heard a variation every fucking time they said his name. Well, it's it's problematic because they always did it with an Irish accent. I would say McQuaid is likely. I wrote down McQuaig because that's what I heard. Um, he is a historian, and he warns of giants. Feel like you need to <laughs> separate history from mythology. A little bit. Like, there can certainly be a history of mythology, but it just seems wild that he's like, oh yeah, giants. They're real. I don't understand why we went to a place like Ireland and we didn't deal with the Fae. Well, we we kind of did it in an offhand way. The Fae were mentioned. Yeah, not the villains. Like, no, no one they weren't. stepped into a circle of mushrooms and was yeah. transported to the land we, of the Fae. We didn't even <laughs> see, like, I feel like other series, Scooby would have seen a fairy. And that would have been a B-plot, that he was just following this fairy the whole time. And uh, last minor mention is Solomon the Cook. He only speaks in rhyme. He is very friendly and offers Irish delicacies. And I don't think Shaggy and Scooby were very nice to him. He's very excited about this food. There's got to be a reason. Justice for Solomon. Don't cut his baby in half. Um... (laughs) That's a bit. No, he was the king who who wanted to cut the baby in half. If he had just offered some Irish food, that would have been a lot better. All right, the villain of this episode, the giant. It is a giant. It is a giant. It It is is tall, inconsistently tall, as things like these usually are. They always are in Scooby Doo. Now, he does have a history that this is apparently Huge McFinn. A previous, was it Irish king or just the owner of the castle? I think owner of the castle. Okay. And during the time when he owned the castle, the Fae were just everywhere, according to Colin McQuaid. In the giant Cyclops, which is a giant mech, is Colin. Yes. And can I just say, giants obviously going to be either a giant mech or a giant robot. 
made doubly obvious by the fact that it does not want to go into water. Yeah. Like, what else was it going to be? A hundred kids in a trench coat? (laughs) (laughs) I would fucking lose it. If it was a hundred kids in a trench coat, it would get a Scooby-Doo absolutely. But it wasn't that. It wasn't. It was a giant robot, and we don't even get to hear his real master criminal plan, because Velma says what she thinks it is, and then he's like, no, that's incorrect, and she's like, I don't want to hear it, and he gets dragged away, so we don't know his master criminal plan. Master criminal plan, unknown. Feasibility, unknown. Okay, no, the feasibility is known. Velma thinks that it is an amusement park company trying to buy up this land to open a, like, folklore, mythology-based theme park. It was was the Funzo Onezo Company. So she says that they're paying for, like, the giant mech and stuff because that's going to be the center of this theme park. They just needed Colin to chase people off, living relatives off of the land. Wouldn't it be cheaper for this company to just have the Blake family killed than to build giant robots in secret mountain lairs? Probably, but you don't know that that was the plan. That was all just inferred from Velma. And Colin says that his plan was much much more duplicitous than that. I think that the Funzo Onezo Company is still paying for the mech, though. I think they have nothing to do with this. I think the Funzo Onezo Company was a red herring, and we're wasting our time by following that. I think we need to get digging into what actually happened here and where this money is coming from. Follow the money, Amelia. No, I don't fucking care. All right, well, I, for me, feasibility is unknown. And the only yeah, no feasibility is a no because GoBots don't exist, <laughs> Billy. We don't we don't know the factors. There are unknown factors at work here. It's a GoBot in a giant skin. Feasibility that's, is no. That's well. That's that's your opinion. I believe in the conspiracy. That will probably end up being slightly anti-Semitic, <laughs> as all conspiracies eventually become. But. uh... Yeah, right now I say it's unknown. A known factor, though, is whether or not this giant is scary. It doesn't look scary, no, but the sheer size of it is scary enough. I feel like I also did this with the giant hairy dinosaur in the North Pole, where it was like, I don't know necessarily if I'd be scared of it if I saw it mm-hmm. on the horizon, but it's big, so I gave it a five, and I'll I'll give this thing of five as well. I I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt at first because he was really just defending that young boy from a grown adult bully. So I didn't find him scary at all. I thought the giant was being a hero at the beginning. But later on, he does start harassing Mr. Incorporated. And so he gets to be a little scary. There's also the implication that maybe more Fae are going to come out of the woodwork. But that's not really explored. That would have made it very scary. You know, with those scary fairies and unicorns. But... I remember one time, I was standing on a subway platform, and uh, two people were standing beside me talking about, like, mythological creatures, and the most, like, unlikely one. And the one said, okay, I'm gonna stop you there, the most unlikely mythological creature, period, is a unicorn. Uh, A horse with a horn? A horse with an abnormal growth on its forehead is the most unlikely? I'm sorry, have you never heard of a griffin? This (laughs) is a centaur over here. (laughs) 
The mighty Minotaur, like Christ. A, sa- a unicorn probably did exist, really. I was about to butt into that conversation and be like, shut your whore mouth. Dragons breathe fire, and you think a bit of horn on someone's forehead is the most unlikely? Like an African deer with one antler knocked off. Bam! Rhinoceroses. Battle unicorns. Battle unicorns, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> well, there was, you know, the the uh, the ancient woolly rhinoceros is actually believed to be the, or- the origin of the unicorn myth. I don't think they made it to Ireland. But soon they might have. I know nothing. Anyway, this this giant. I'll go. I'll go for a seven here for height. A point for every foot. It's probably higher than seven feet tall. Do you have any other thoughts or feelings on this episode? Uh, two. Why do they fly coach with Daphne? <laughs> I had that written down under Fred. He mentions they fly coach. Daphne would definitely not be flying coach, and it seems like a bitch move that she's not shelling out for her friends. Do we know that Daphne flies coach, or just that the rest of them do? I just, did you hear what I just said? I said it would be really bitchy of her not shell out for her friends to not fly coach. Okay. Well, cause I, I'm just trying to figure out what is the actual fact we know from that conversation. That they fly coach. Okay. So yeah, I, I think we can head canon that Daphne does not. <laughs> that is a bitch move. Second note, the giant lives in a cave atop of a mountain, and it is so tall. Like, the mountain cave is so huge, how is it not visible from miles away? Full of glittering gold and shit, a giant climbing in and out of it on a regular basis? Well, Amelia, maybe it had a glamour on it. There's a glamour on that cave so that you don't notice it. I don't think the Starwall Irish people would fall for that. No, probably not. They're very, <laughs> you know. Uh, my one note had to do with the chase sequence and how they used the the Irish music that just makes the most sense in this day and age. I a hundred percent recognize it. I don't know what to call it, but it's the one where it's like the da 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 Is it the Dropkick Murphys that do a lot of that shit? Maybe, kinda? It definitely made me feel that, like, Leonardo DiCaprio was gonna walk out and be like, Oh, I'm in fucking Boston here. I'm in the fucking mob. Scorsese's directing me. I'm not even... What accent was that? Don't look at me. I don't fucking know. I feel fucking awful about that. I'm I'm ending the podcast. Listeners, if you want to reach out to us, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. I am at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia, and we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Dues. You can find all our old episodes streaming on our WordPress, Tumblr, and YouTube page. We have a Patreon. We have Instagrams under the same uh, handle as our Twitter handles. And I have my own YouTube channel under Fatal Amelia with spooky related stuff on it in which I don't do stupid accents. It's true. So Honestly, if you're not watching Amelia's, if you listen to this podcast and you're not watching Amelia's videos, you're missing out. Like you like her already. So, and like, I'm like, I'm so much better if Billy's oh not my God. slowing me down. Oh my God! We're really, we're, we're an anti-Megazord. 
We're stronger apart. <laughs> we just choose to be together out of like love and junk. Our next episode is Eating Crow, where Shaggy and Scooby eat a live bird on screen. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. It's real. It's re- guest starring Ozzy Osbourne. That was a bat. Who ate a bird? Someone ate a bird. Anyone who's ever was eaten Alice, a chicken. Alice Cooper? <laughs> yeah, okay. Good point. Good point. Um, then I guess all it's left to do is ask whether Giant Problems was a Scooby-Doo or a Scooby-Don't. Another completely Scooby-neutral. Whatever. It doesn't, it didn't offend. It didn't thrill. Sits right in the middle. I feel like I'm going with a Scooby-Doo on this one because I felt like the character dynamics really succeeded. Even if some of them were using dumb accents. Who am I to fault them for that? And on that note... That's it from Scooby-Dooby Us... To Scooby-Dooby You! Stop staring at my nostrils! Great, now you're gonna have that litigious Blake bitch on her ass. Well, you know what? Getting sued by a fictional character? Sounds like that's right up my alley. <laughs>